0: Our Bible reading today is taken from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 32. On the screen is the NIV version, which you can follow. I'll be reading from the youth Bible. Um, It's slightly different translation, um, but I just kind of like the words that it has here. But please feel free to follow that one there. People of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus from Nazareth was a very special man. God clearly showed this to you by the miracles, wonders and signs that he did through Jesus. You all know this because it happened right here among you. Jesus was given to you and with the help of those who didn't know the law, you Put him to death by nailing him to a cross, but this was God's plan which he had made long ago. He knew this would happen. God raised Jesus from the death from dead and set him free from the pain of death, because death could not hold him. For David said this about him: I keep the Lord before me always.' Because he is close by my side, I will not be hurt. So I rejoice and I am glad. Even my body has hope. Because you will not leave me in the grave, you will not let your Holy One rot. You will teach me how to live a holy life, being with you, filled with joy. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you truly that David, our ancestor, died and was buried. His grave is still here with us today. He was a prophet and knew God had promised him that he would make a person from David's family a king just as he was. Knowing this before it happened, David talked about the Christ, about Christ rising from the dead. He said, He was not left in the grave, his body did not rot. So Jesus is the one whom God raised from the dead, and we are all witnesses to that fact. So, Jesus matters because he conquered death. Jesus' resurrection means that death is defeated once and for all. Simple as that. Or is it? What more do we need to know? Well, let me explain a little bit about how we're going to tackle this this morning. We're going to look at different pieces of evidence for the resurrection. And using this passage, or this book that we've been using this summer, we can identify four of those. The first one being the empty grave of Jesus. The second one, the appearance of Jesus. It doesn't mean what he looked like, it means how he appears to his disciples after the resurrection. The third being the rise of the fledgling Christian church. And the fourth being how actually the resurrection changes Jesus' life. The fourth piece of evidence will lead us nicely onto what Howard's going to say This evening. The table is set for communion. And I plan to do communion, we plan to do communion, which Howard will kindly lead for us, at the end of when I've given my third piece of evidence about the rise of the Christian church. So we'll share communion then, and that's a chance for you to respond and commit to your faith and then I'll come back again and give my fourth piece of evidence. As Peter proclaimed on the day of Pentecost, God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible to keep hold of him. That is stated in Acts 2, 24. It was impossible for death to Hold on to Jesus. Death lost its grip. But the resurrection means that Jesus not only defeated death for himself, but he defeated death for us as well. He died and rose as a new representative for humanity, as the second Adam. Adam. In 1 Corinthians 15, it states this, For as by a man came death, by a man has also come resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be alive. I'll say that again. So all in Christ shall all be made alive. His resurrection guarantees ours. That's quite a a bold statement to make, but it needs to be thought through. His resurrection guarantees ours. If you believe in Christ, you will live again. The empty tomb assures us that sickness and suffering, death and disease will not have the final word. How can you prove it? That's a question that is often asked of myself as a teacher in school. Go on then, prove it really happened. Prove the existence of Jesus. Prove the resurrection took place. Which is why I was quite pleased when I was given this part to talk on. Here, I'm going to try and discuss these different pieces of evidence. But before we do, let us make it very clear that Jesus was dead. He was certified dead by the centurion in charge. He was recognized as dead by Pilate. And to top things off, a spear was thrust into his side just under his heart to make sure he was He was dead. So don't believe or try and think through these kind of theories that he was partly dead and then the cold tomb kind of brought him back on, you know, raised that little bit. He was dead. And he was dead. And here are these pieces of evidence the empty grave of Jesus. All accounts agree that the empty, that the tomb was empty on the Sunday morning. If the tomb was not empty, then the Jews could have easily been silenced. The Jews could have easily silenced the early Christians when they first began to preach about the risen Jesus by saying, come, look at this decaying body. Or maybe it had been stolen. By the same token, if the Jews had stolen it, they could have just brought it back and nipped this early Christian movement in in the bud. The same goes for the Romans, too. That only leaves the disciples as possible robbers of the tomb. But the longer you think about that possibility, it becomes more and more absurd. Even if they got past the two guards, what would they have done with the body? Where would they have stored it? And this is the more interesting bit... If when we read the New Testament, we read the joy of the disciples about the risen Lord. Now, I don't know anything about the disciples' acting skills, but surely you couldn't fake that joy if you knew you had stolen the body. You couldn't pretend that much joy that Jesus was alive if he knew that he was not So the body was not removed by his enemies or his friends. That only leaves one possibility. It is true that God raised him from the dead. Think about it. If they had stolen the body, they would have presented it when the Christian church started to blossom they would have put the early Christians down. They didn't do it because they couldn't do it. The tomb was empty. Jesus was alive. Our second point leads on to that. Jesus being alive. The appearance of Jesus... Jesus appeared to many people. And this is an important part of the resurrection. If he appeared to just one person, then that gives kind of kudos or power to say, oh, that person's having, has made it up. But we know from reading the scriptures that he appeared to many people. Let's just go through some of those. Not only did Jesus' disciples see the empty tube and grey clothes, they saw Jesus Christ himself. Mary Magdalene saw him first. Then the other women saw him also. They clasped his feet and worshipped him. The two disciples on the way to Emmaus, in the afternoon of the first Sabbath, saw him and recognised him. Not by the way he looked, but the way he broke bread. Then Jesus appeared to Peter. You see, Peter and the other apostles refused to believe the woman's report. In those days, no one believed any report that came from a woman. So Peter and the apostles refused to believe it at first. But then we are told that Jesus appeared to Peter, and he believed. Then Jesus appeared to the ten in the evening on the first Sabbath, and they believed. On the next Sabbath, Jesus appeared before the eleven. Later again, he appeared to James, who, although was extremely close to Jesus, was still an unbeliever. And after his resurrection, Jesus revealed himself to Saul of Tarsus, the enemy of the gospel. We'll come back to him in our final point. But both James and Saul became believers. In fact, one could argue two of the greater disciples. Then, Jesus revealed himself to 500 people at one time, most of whom were still alive to vouch for that fact when Paul wrote about it in his letter to the Corinthians. Jesus didn't leave us an unexplained empty tomb. For 40 days, he appeared to people on a variety of occasions, in a variety of locations so disproving that it was just hallucinations. As I said, if it had been one person, hmm, not sure I'm going to go with that. But the fact that Jesus picked, chose different points, different times, to show himself in different ways to different people is evidence that Jesus rose again. Our third piece of evidence before we come and share communion is the rise of the Christian church. And actually, when reading about this, I found this quite fascinating. It began at Easter when the followers of Jesus were dispirited and scattered. You know the situation. You know the story. They'd put their hope in the leader, in Jesus. They'd hoped for great things that would come from him. They felt, to some degree, let down. He had met a disgraceful and painful end. So what could turn this dispirited and scattered group of people who were hiding and scared into a force that could rock the Roman Empire? Our reading today, Acts 2, highlighted the answer in verse 32. So Jesus is the one whom God raised from the dead, and we are all witnesses. It was Jesus that brought those groups together to enable them to go forth and develop the Christian faith. This was an interesting point that I thought might be quite nice to share. We discover in the history of the church that the day of worship was changed because of the resurrection of Christ. I teach my children at school the Jewish day of work, Sabbath, is the Saturday, from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. So how comes then, sir, that Christians go to church on a Sunday and Jesus was a Jew? Yeah, okay. A because is an answer that I used to, use to give. It just is. But the more you think about it, this passage highlights and this story and this book picks up this. Jewish people are traditionalists and the disciples always worshipped on Saturday, as they had done for generations previously. The Bible tells us that Jesus himself worshipped on a Saturday, as was the Jewish custom. But all of a sudden, these people who were steeped in Jewish history and tradition began to worship on the first day of the week. Why? Why? If we had one here today, we could ask them. And they would probably say it was the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. That is my holy day. The day that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. There is, for me, no other reason but the resurrection of Christ to explain why the day of worship was changed from the day of Saturday to Sunday. It's a piece of evidence that backs up that Jesus rose from the dead. We also find evidence of the resurrection in the sacraments of the Church. The things we do, possibly, I dare to say it, without even thinking about sometimes. For instance, baptism. Baptism speaks about the resurrection of Christ, declaring that we have died with him and are buried with him and are raised with him out of the water. In the Lord's Supper, they not only recalled his death with gratitude, but exalted in his risen presence, excuse me, as they broke bread with gladness. As Jesus introduced the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, he said, Do this in remembrance of me until I come again. Resurrected, I will come again. These words speak about a risen Christ. Not a Christ that was left to die and decay in a tomb, but about a risen Christ. And so, to our our final piece of evidence, that Jesus changes lives. Jesus changed the lives of the followers, of his followers. We find the evidence in a dramatic transformation of the apostles. As I mentioned earlier on, after the crucifixion, the disciples were depressed, fearful, staying together in a locked room in Jerusalem they were not encouraging each other to believe in the prophecies of Jesus about his resurrection. In fact, they had probably forgotten about them. Even when Mary Magdalene and the other women went to the tomb on the first day of the week, they were going not to see the risen Jesus, but to anoint his body. In other words, the disciples had no expectation of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. The disciples on the road to Emmaus said in reference to Jesus, we hoped that he was going to redeem Israel, meaning a political redemption. But the Bible says their faces were downcast, indicating they were depressed and did not know what to think since Jesus had been killed. But after the resurrection of Christ, the disciples became very bold and courageous. They even spoke about the resurrection without fear to the Jewish council. What caused this change? Well, since Jesus had appeared to them in his resurrection body, they were convinced of the truth of the resurrection. Peter, who denied Christ three times, began to fiercely proclaim the resurrection of Jesus, as he did in his first letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. By his great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. We've just done that there. And Peter did this until, like many other disciples, he died for his faith. And Paul, well, everyone knows the transformation of Paul. One of the greatest opponents of Jesus is transformed into possibly his greatest disciple. Surely, this transformation of these timid, fearful disciples and opponents of Jesus into bold proclaimers of the gospel, no matter what the cost, vindicates the truth of the resurrection of Christ. Surely, you couldn't proclaim if you didn't believe in the resurrection and it didn't, and the fact that it happened. With that in mind, I'm going to adapt the ABC that we use with the children for the end of our service. I'm going to use the same PowerPoint as a kind of memory jog, but I'm going to read out three statements. And here's my second challenge to you. I challenged you, or we challenged you, to take communion, to reaffirm the risen God, I'm now going to challenge you with three statements. If you agree with these statements, which I hope and I trust you will do, in your hearts, just say, I do. That was an outward declaration of faith. And some people may find that difficult. This, a declaration of faith, comes from in here. Here are three statements, using the ABC method that we had earlier on. I admit to God that I was guilty as charged, a sinner who had rebelled against him. I'll say each statement twice. I admit to God that I was guilty as charged, a sinner who had rebelled against him. I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross, and I place my trust in him as my saviour. I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross and I place my trust in him as my saviour. I confess that Jesus is now the Lord of my life who tells me what to do. I ask God to help me to live his way from now on. I confess that Jesus is now Lord of my life, who tells me what to do. And I ask God to help me to live his way from now on. And I believe this because he conquered death. That is why Jesus matters, because he conquered death.